Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew and I'm the lead pastor and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, by the way, head to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits listed right there. Hey, we're starting a brand new series of talks this month coming straight from the book of James. And this is one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. It's full of all kinds of wisdom. It's going to challenge you to help make your faith work. In fact, you can think of James as a blueprint to do just that. It's a blueprint for making faith work. Now, we call it a book, but James really is a letter written by, uh, you guessed it, James, right? The brother of Jesus. Now, here's the cool thing. James didn't actually believe Jesus was who he said he was while he was alive. But after the resurrection of Christ, uh, he was all in. He, he pastored the Jerusalem church up until the time he died around AD 62. He was taken to the top of a temple, and he was thrown down. He survived that fall, and unfortunately for James, he didn't get to go free afterwards. Since he survived the fall, his enemies beat him, or some sources say stoned him to death after that. But in James chapter 1, verse 1, we get a little insight into why he's writing. He's writing to Jewish Christians who are scattered all across uh, the, the local community in the region. Most of them are, are living in Jerusalem, but now they're in Lebanon and Israel and that kind of thing, and they're not gathering together because they can't. There's actually an extreme time of persecution happening in the Jerusalem vicinity. So the Jerusalem Christians, they're, they're running all over the place. They're hiding. They can't meet together for fear of being executed or put in prison, that kind of thing. And so James is writing a letter to a church which can't meet together. Some of you, depending where you're watching from, you still haven't been able to meet yet either, right? And since they can't meet together as a church, you know what James does? He's like, all right, here's the thing. I, we need our Jewish believers to live out their faith, man, and to be the church to the world around them. There's enough Similarity, I think, is you can kind of draw some conclusions that James is writing to people like us in a moment, kind of like what we're in. Not all of us can meet together. We're kind of scattered around, you know. And so what you're going to see throughout James this month is you're going to see three big themes emerge. He wants his readers to stand strong during troubles and temptations, to learn how to exercise godly wisdom, and to stop holding prejudices of all different types. Uh, these themes are all throughout the letter. And we're going to start with the first one today, troubles and temptations. Now, it makes sense for James to start off with that theme, right? Because it's probably the most intense theme his readers are facing at the moment. It's high on the priority list for them in their lives. And honestly, it's kind of what we're experiencing a little bit here today as well, right? It's 2020. It's certainly fit the bill for a lot of us, you know, trial, temptation, that kind of thing. Uh, it's been a difficult year for many of us, especially depending where you live, more so than others, right? And so one of the takeaways I want you to have right before we get started today for taking notes uh, is that when you're reading throughout this passage, you kind of get the feeling that if we don't quit, we win. Now, why do I say that? Well, it's because troubles and temptations have a way of just beating us into defeat and submission, don't they? If we keep grinding, though, if we keep you know, standing firm and strong in our faith, if we trust God, if we just don't quit, we can come out on the other side of this thing as victors. And I want you to see that today as we go through James chapter 1. So, 
We know that troubles come, right? We know they come. We know troubles are just a, a part of life too, right? But I don't know if we always have the right perspective about troubles. See, troubles aren't exactly things you can control. Troubles are situations that happen to us, you know? We didn't have a control over that situation. We didn't have a choice over them. We just were handed to them. You can only control what you can control. Ever heard that saying before? Right. So troubles just happen to you. And because they happen, you didn't exactly create the troubles that you're in. From James's point of view, this is an opportunity, like an opportunity to be encouraged to have joy. In fact, listen to what he says in James 1 verses 2 through 4. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect, complete, and needing nothing. Two really important truths we want to talk about today concerning troubles. First, God uses troubles to grow us. God uses troubles to grow us. We see that right here in the first few verses, right? And when trouble comes your way, you know, adopt God's perspective. Look at verse number two one more time. James says to count troubles as an opportunity for joy. Now that's not how we, we view troubles. Our initial reaction is to get out as quickly as we can. The sooner the trouble is over, the better, right? And so we're focused on getting through the storm and over the troubles, and we can't see what God wants to do in us and what he wants to do through us. You know, can you go back, by the way, and look at different points in your life where you can see great difficulty, where you can see immense troubles that you didn't cause or create, right, that has happened to you, and while you couldn't see it as an opportunity then, you can look back now and think, man, my goodness, I'm so glad that I went through that. I can't believe if I hadn't gone through that season, I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah, you have moments like that. Can you think of times like that? Sure you can, right? See, James says these troubles are opportunities for joy because it's through those troubles that God will often stretch us and grow us and develop us and challenge us to be the person he's called us to be. You don't have a choice when troubles come your way. They just happen. But you do have a choice to adopt the right attitude and mindset when they come your way. We just spent six weeks talking about staying positive in a negative world. If you need a little help with that, by the way, you can watch and listen to that entire series of talks online or on our podcast right now. Staying positive, developing the right mindset and attitude for trouble, it's absolutely crucial to seize those opportunities James talks about. And one of the reasons we need the right attitude is because when we're facing troubles, we don't know what's happening all around us, right? We don't know what's going on. We, need, yeah, we have limited information. And these are the moments where like, our trust in God really needs to be built. These are the times where you have to trust the process that God is bringing you through. James actually lays this out uh, further in verse number four. He says this, he goes, so let it, we're talking about faithful endurance here, right? So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Pretty cool. So you know what every new recruit is told when they walk to, to Clemson or Alabama's football team? You know what they're told when they walk on, on the field to practice for the first time? They're told to trust the process, right? Diablo's got a process, Coach Saban's got a process, and it produces winners. It works you really hard. It stretches you. It challenges you. But if you can trust the process, you're going to come out and you're going to decide a winner. As parents, what are we doing? Well, we're constantly telling our kids to do 
what? Trust the process. Think about that for a moment. Like we're asking our kids to grow. We're giving them limited information. They don't know all the things happening around them. They don't know where this life's going to lead. And the whole time we're saying, just trust us, trust us, trust the process, right? It's hard for kids to hear that. Like I was a kid always wanted to know why. I never accepted things on face value from an intellectual point of view. I always wanted to know why. My parents would say, oh, you know enough, <laughs> which I hated that phrase then. My kid uses it now. And I have to tell them the same thing. Hey, you know enough, right? Well, we don't know a lot of our journey. We don't know what's going on all the time, limited information around us, but we know enough. We know that God is good. We know that whatever God has for us is good. We know we can trust God and trust his process to get through the other side, right? We know enough. Here's the second truth about troubles today. We, we draw closer to God. C.S. Lewis, who was a great thought leader of his time, he wrote all the Narnia books, he says this, God whispers in our pleasures, he speaks in our consciences, but he shouts in our pain. It's his, it's his megaphone, he says, to a deaf world. Boy, how true is that, right? How true is that? Those times of trouble, they can be the vehicles that God uses to bring us closer to him, but if you're going through a troubling time, how do you do it? That's the big question. How do you do it? How do you draw closer to God? Well, first, you ask God for help. James uh, 1 verse 5 says this, that if you want wisdom, God is generous. You should ask him for it, right? He's not going to rebuke you. Ask him for the wisdom. What do we need more of in times of trouble? We need that wisdom. You know, that makes this the most sense, doesn't it? Like we want wisdom. We want to know we're making the right choices, that we're getting the right information, that we're trusting the right people. You know, now you can't bank on wisdom to get you out of the trouble because it doesn't change what you're going through, but it does help you understand what's going on and it does help you put you yourself in the best position possible, right, to weather the storm you're going through. And the good news is God's not stingy about wisdom. James tells us he's generous. He's ready to give you the wisdom if you ask for it. So ask for that wisdom when you're experiencing troubles of any kind so you can draw closer to God and then stand firm in your faith so God can grow you and develop you. But what about temptations? Well, James brings this up in verse number six. Check this out. But when you ask him, I'm talking about God here, right? Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave on the sea as blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything they do. Man, there is so much to unpack here, but we don't have the time to unpack it all in this one setting. So let's focus more broadly on what James is saying here. In verse number six, he says, the divided loyalties. I mean, you can't, you can't have divided loyalties. You can't stand firm in your faith and, and be torn with the things of this world at the same time. I, I'm going to address something that I think will be a little bit, um, I don't know, controversial. I don't know. It's going to rub some of you the wrong way, I'm sure. But we got the election coming up, right? It's a couple of days from now. It's easy for Christians to say, I'm all in for God. We're quick to say things like that, right? But we often don't realize, when we read passages like this one here in James, is that the idea that we're giving our loyalty to God is not 90%, it's 100%. Our 100% of our loyalty goes to God. I know the election's important. I, I think every election, by the way, is important. But one of the things which has bothered me over the last few years is, is watching the increasing polarization of our culture and the near hero worship we give our political candidates. Both sides do it. 
I think one side probably does it more obviously than the other side does, but nevertheless, they both do it. And if a political candidate is having a greater impact on your life and your well-being than God Almighty, then perhaps you're putting too much loyalty and too much hope in one single person or political party or ideology and not God. One of the things that we're witnessing right now is we're seeing political ideology embraced in almost religious kind of fervor. It's like we replace God and faith with a candidate and ideology. We really need need to be careful that our loyalty is not just with God and somebody else, that our loyalty is with God and God alone, right? That God is first and foremost in our lives. But what if you've never placed any trust in God before? And here I'm talking to those of you who aren't necessarily Christians yet. You wouldn't describe yourself that way. You know, you're in a troubling time. You're listening to the message and you're kind of like, all right, I need to try trusting in God, but I don't really know how to, how to do that. Where do I start? You know, when our kids first learn how to swim, they're typically a little more hesitant right? They, they want to know if they jump in the pool that you're going to be there. It doesn't really matter what's in the water or what the water looks like. They just believe that as long as you're in that water, they're, 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 their focus can be zoned in on you and they'll be okay, right? They just lock in with you and jump. And that's what God wants for us in times of trouble and temptation. Lock in on Him. Get your eyes fixed on God and just go for it. 1 Peter 1.7 tells us this, that troubles show our faith is genuine. Remember, if we don't quit, what? Man, we win. How does it prove that our faith is genuine and real? Well, if we're trusting in God in times of trouble instead of bailing on Him, we're showing everyone that our faith isn't just talk, it's actually alive and active. That God uses troubles to grow us and He can use them as opportunities to draw us closer to Himself. And those troubles can build a strong faith and resiliency inside of us that we could not otherwise experience. Okay, so temptations. Let's, let's talk more about temptations here. All right, temptations. If troubles are what happens to us, temptations are what happens within us. So we can't control troubles. We can control temptations, right? We do have a choice there. Skip down to verse number 13. James says this. Remember, when you're being tempted, don't say, God is tempting me. God's never tempted to do anything wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. When you encounter temptations, this is important. God isn't the one trying to bait and hook you. All right. And by the way, the devil's not the one who made you do it either. <laughs> you can be bad all by yourself. You don't need any help to sin. All right. We don't need any help in that area. What happens when you give in a temptation is that you fell for a number of deceptions, lies, that kind of thing, traps the enemy lays out for you. So he specializes in taking truth and making it 95%, 99% true. It's that small element of truth that he twists. That's what leads you to buy in. So let me show you what I'm talking about. There's actually a process to how temptation works, and James outlined it for us in verses 14 and 15, right? Where it has, it starts with, you know, deception and giving birth to desire. So in the book of Genesis, very first book of the Bible, Adam and Eve, they, they encounter the enemy in the garden, and, and, and the devil doesn't say, hey, you know what, why don't you have this fruit from the tree you're not supposed to eat from right off the bat? You know, obviously they wouldn't, they wouldn't fall for that. God said not to do it. What he does is he twists the truth. He starts off by saying, oh, you know, 
know, God realizes that if you eat this fruit, you'll be like him and you'll know good and evil, which technically was true because they would know good and evil. The part the devil left off was they would die, you know? It's a mostly true statement. And he starts with that deception. Did God really say? And that little bit of doubt, that little bit of deception, it's enough to get them thinking. And so while you don't have the forbidden fruit in front of you, okay, you still have thoughts. Okay, is this really God's way? Is it the best way? Is it going to work? Do I need God? Can I just take care of it on my own, right? And so once deception takes root and gives way to desire, man, now desire is not sin yet, but desire begins to cultivate soil for all kinds of things like greed and pride and jealousy and lust to kind of grow in. So once that desire begins to grow and fester, it leads to disobedience. Now disobedience is sin. And disobedience, if it's not dealt with, it'll spread throughout our spiritual lives like a disease and eventually lead to what James says is death. How then can we get out of temptation? Well, we can start by being real about our weaknesses. In verse number 16, James tells us not to be misled. The temptation isn't impossible to overcome. In fact, temptation exposes the devil as almost like a bad poker player. He's showing his hand. He's, he's telling you when temptation strikes, he's showing you the strategy. It's all out there in the open. So what that means is we can use temptation as a target for growth so that we don't become victims, but we become victors. Now, here's what I, I mean by that. I want to show you this real quick. When we're tempted... What we know is that there's an area of our life that we're weak in that we have not allowed God to help us with, right? We haven't allowed God access to that certain area of our lives. So we know that he needs to come in and take the lead. Verse number 17, James says this, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So that's who God is. He's never changing. He's a good father who wants to do good things for us. And that's why we can be victors in the face of temptation. It's God's light, which shines where our weaknesses are. He exposes them. And he doesn't do that to tear us apart, but to build us up in those areas that we need to let him have access to, right? So in fact, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us this, that when we're tempted, God's always going to provide a way out for us. Remember, he's the light that exposes the darkness. So let me leave you with a quick little thought here, a little reminder to help you the next time you're encountering temptation, okay? Remember ACDC. How many ACDC you know, fans we got out there, right? Yeah, this will get you off the highway to hell, and then you can come roaring back in black, and okay, I'll, I'll stop. Alright, so seriously though, ACDC. Alright, ACDC. Avoid the situation. Don't put yourself in a situation where temptation is likely to get the best of you, okay? Counter with God's word. Your lone weapon, the Bible says, in spiritual warfare is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Those are the promises that God has made to us and the truths that combat spiritual darkness. Develop healthy friendships. You need other people in your life. You're not meant to do life alone. If you're local, by the way, this is why things like Friendsgiving that we're going to have in a few weeks are so important because you're going to get together with people and groups and build relationships with folks and build connections. It's also why, no matter where you are, being present in a church community on a Sunday, well, that matters because you're making connections with folks to help form life-giving and life-building relationships that you and other people need. And finally, commit to prayer. Commit to prayer. Ask God to help you 
you when temptation strikes. Pray for that way out to be revealed. There's always an exit. ACDC, avoid the situation, counter with God's word, develop healthy friendships, and commit to prayer. Let me leave you with one final thought from James chapter 1 today before we wrap up. James 1 verse 18 says, He, talking about God here, okay, He chose to give birth to us by giving us the true word, and we, out of all creation, became His prized possession. Remember, if we don't quit, we win. Why does it feel so exhausting and so tiring when troubles and temptations come our way? Well, it's because often we're not living in our true reality. We're living as if it all depends on us. How often have you felt alone in moments and seasons of trouble and difficulty? How often have you felt like, you know, I, I, I got to figure things out. No one else is coming to the rescue. It's, it's, it's all falling on me. I got to take care of it. How often does that happen? Got to tell you this, man, that, that if that's you today, all right? It's likely that you're not living in true freedom yet. See, at Radiant, we want to bring folks from darkness to light so they can know God. That's always first and foremost, but also so they can know what it means to finally be free. Don't let troubles and temptations wear you down. Don't let them take you out. See, those troubles are opportunities, man, for God to grow you, to draw you closer to Him. And understand that when you face temptation, there is a way out. That you can have victory in your life, and you can become aware of the areas that, hey, you know what, I need to have God give, I need to give Him access to this part of my life I haven't been doing before, you know? And never forget this, how God sees you. He sees you as his most prized possession. You know why? Because you matter to him. Here's what I want to do for you today. I'm going to pray us out, but as I do that, I remember those of you today who might be struggling in one or two of these areas. Maybe, maybe you just say, Pastor, I'm struggling with you know, trouble. I got all kinds of trouble right now, all kinds of difficulty I'm going through. I didn't ask for it. I didn't bring it upon myself. It's just it's life. It happens. We all go through it. And you need to understand that God's trying to grow you. It doesn't feel like it, I'm sure, but He's trying to grow you. And it's an opportunity for you to also draw closer to God in the process and build your faith up. And so I want to pray for you today that you're comforted, that God gives you wisdom, and that you come out of this storm more resilient. James says it builds up our endurance, right? It builds up our resiliency. And then there are those of you who are struggling with temptation. You've, you've got all kinds of temptations you've tried to overcome. You've tried all types of things, and you're still finding yourself just getting over and over over, getting into the same kind of sin, the same kind of temptation. You're not living a free life. And I want to pray that you'll find that freedom in Christ today. That you'll, you know, the ACDC thing, right? That you'll avoid those situations. That you'll counter with God's word. That you'll develop the right friendships. That you'll commit that moment to prayer. That you'll see the way out that God provides for you. It's there. There's a way out that's there. But are you seeing it? So I want to pray that you'll actually see that way out. That you can avoid temptation that you're finding yourself in and can live in that free life that Christ has for you. So, Father, I thank you for each and every person out there. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.